0: Today, my brothers and sisters, as I said in the beginning, I'd like to talk about the problem of anger and forgiveness and reconciliation with our neighbor. And I'd like to make it clear right away, up front, that when we're talking about these matters in this homily, we're really th- thinking more about adult issues, uh, sibling rivalries, having problems forgiving family members or friends who are your equals. And I'm leaving aside the kind of special case and the special issue wherein a person has been victimized, okay, they've been abused as a child by an adult, okay, and they're struggling with very, very deep emotional issues. I'm kind of, that's a kind of a separate homily in and of itself. That's a special case that needs special attention, and I'm kind of leaving that aside. So when I'm talking about forgiveness in this homily, I'm kind of dealing with, more at an equals-to-equals equals kind of basis. And I think that's what Jesus is speaking about, too, as well, here in the Sermon on the Mount. You see how important of an issue this is. If you read, it's not maybe not so much even between the lines, but at least between the lines, he's really saying our own salvation depends on this, that we're able to forgive others. All right? And this is clear in the prayer that we always pray, the Lord's Prayer. We say, forgive us our sins, as we forgive others, right? So if we don't forgive others, our sins, with, we set up a, an impediment, a block, to receiving God's own forgiveness. So very, very important to, to forgive people. And I'd like to take this kind of heavy topic and lighten, up a, lighten it up a little bit by connecting it with a movie I saw recently. I saw a movie by the name of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Okay. It's about Mr. Rogers, all right? I'm becoming a fan of Mr. Rogers. When I was a little kid, I probably wasn't sensitive or intelligent enough to really pay attention to Mr. Rogers. I liked The Muppet Show, you know, that was more on my level. Mr. Rogers was probably over my head, so I never really paid attention to him. But as I get older, I really look back on this guy. He, he was really doing something pretty special. And maybe it's not well known to many people that he was very deeply motivated by the gospel and everything that he did okay he was actually an ordained presbyterian minister and the presbyterian church that he was ordained in basically said to him we want you to work full time in you know public uh, broadcasting for education for children and that's going to be your ministry so that's what he did that was his actual ministry so he was very much motivated by the gospel in And everything that he did, and the movie is very good. So I encourage you to see it. I am very finicky when it comes to movies. I scandalized people at the eight fifteen mass because I I had many people come up and say, "Look, oh, there's many more good movies. Look, let me try to introduce you to some more good movies." Because I said to them, "I I hardly like any movie I watch. I think they all stink. You know, I've got very, you know, I'm very finicky." So I've got a few movies that I put on an A list. I've got about, only about maybe 20 movies or so on a B list. But on my A list, there's not much there. I like, uh, the movie Gandhi, for example, from the early 80s, I thought was very good. Okay. I thought the first two Rockies were really good. Okay, they're on my A list. Uh, but I have to say, and there's a few others, but I have to say this movie, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, that's on my A list now. It's a very, very good movie. Very good movie. And, uh, it's a, oh, by the, by the side too, I got it. You can expect a temper tantrum from Father Walter a week from now, okay? Because I've shared with him what I'm going to be preaching about and he's very resentful because he's, he claims that, you know, I'm stealing homily material from him. He says he's a personal friend of Mr. Rogers. He met Mr. Rogers at one point. Afterwards, Mr. Rogers wrote him a personal note. I said, Father Walter, Mr. Rogers wrote everybody a personal note, okay? <laughs> You're not special. He's Mr. Rogers. That's how he treated everybody. Okay. So you're going to hear a little bit of resentment and bitterness from him next week, but we, he's, he's a very insecure new priest and we just kind of bear with it. So, okay. <laughs> So Mr. Rogers has a song that he sung on his show that deals with anger, and I think it's a very, very good song. It's a little ditty for kids, but it's really got a lot of meaning to it. And I saw it in the context of watching him deliver a speech to Congress, actually in 1968. He was trying to persuade Congress to put more public money towards uh, public broadcasting. All right, and he was successful in that. He very, he very much captivated the audience, and and really. was very persuasive, and, he, and at the end of his speech, he shares this song. I think it's really great. He says, and he gets this from a direct quote when he was um, working with a, a, a little child, maybe a five-year-old, okay, who basically said, "I don't know what to do with the mad that I feel." Okay, speaking in little kid's language about anger, he called it mad. It's a mad that I feel. So, Mr. Rogers wrote on the basis of that experience a song. He says, "What do you do with the mad?" that you feel, when you feel so mad you can bite, when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag and see how fast you go? It's good to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead And think of this song, I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, 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 anytime. And what a good feeling to feel like this and know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. For a girl, maybe someday a lady, and a boy, maybe someday a man. It's very refreshing to hear about self-control, this whole line, that one verse where it's good to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong. That he's actually endorsing the the virtue of self-control, emotional regulation and management, but self-control. How often do we hear that today? That's a wonderful thing that our kids do need to hear. And I think we see this in our first reading from Syrac. Syrac says, If you choose, you can keep the commandments. And that's really, really important. In fact, that's kind of a bedrock teaching of the Catholic faith that God does not command what's impossible. He's not some kind of cruel uh, dictator that tells us to do something he knows that we can't do. All right? He wouldn't command something unless we could actually do it. And that's a really integral part. Actually, different Christian groups disagree with us on that point, but that's a very integral truth of our Catholic faith, that God does not command the impossible. Now, we might find it very difficult, maybe even in a certain sense impossible, to forgive someone, to to handle a sort of -of out-of-control emotion or passion that we're struggling with, whether it be anger or another vice. But God also tells us that if you're having trouble following the commandment and doing what's right, you pray, and you ask for help. And now that help might not come automatically, okay, but we trust and we pray, and we believe that the help will come, that God will give us the strength to forgive. God will at some point give us the strength to bring whatever it is that we're dealing with under our control. Unless you believe, and this is a basic truth in cognitive behavioral therapy and many different fields of psychology, it's a basic truth. Unless you believe that you can change yourself and do better, you're not going to do it, obviously. If you believe, oh, I can't forgive this person, I can't bring this emotion of anger or whatever it is under control, it's too powerful for me. If you believe that, well, good luck <laughs> trying to do it. It's impossible. So the first step is to actually believe That you're not gonna be, uh, left being completely dominated by this emotion or whatever it is that you're dealing with. Okay? And then we see at the end of this little ditty here that, that Mr. Rogers wrote, very interesting, he says, what a good feeling to feel like this and to know that the feeling is really mine. To know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. To know something, that there's something deep inside that helps us become. What we can become. That's a, that's a really wonderful thing. What is he talking about there? Well, I, he's probably talking about free will, which again, we see that highlighted in our first reading from Syrac. He's probably also talking about our conscience. Very important. But, you know, again, given Mr. Rogers' own Christian background, I think he's probably also talking about the help of God, the help that comes from God's grace. There's something deep inside that helps us actualize our potentialities and become what God wants us to become, to become the person that God sees us as, as we are in Christ. It's beautiful, beautiful. The help of God's grace, I think that's there. And then going back to the beginning, and I'll kind of wrap up my homily, or going back to the beginning of his little ditty, he says, what do you do with the mad that you feel, so forth and so on, when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong? Isn't that true? When you're possessed by anger, everything seems bad. Everything seems bad. And the person that you're having a hard time trying to forgive seems like a monster. They seem so evil. Okay, Your own emotions color everything that you see. And this is what psychologists call externalizing. So really what happens is you're struggling with something inside of you. You're really at a deeper level that you're not fully... Facing that you 're not fully embracing or cognizant of at least you 're really angry with yourself okay and then what you do is you take instead of dealing with that you push that out onto the world, and the smallest thing get you know gets you ticked off, and this person's a jerk and that person's a jerk, and this person's a worse word and a more worse word and so forth and so on and everything 's terrible and and i can 't stand watching the television and the politics and this this politician and that and so forth and so on everything makes you angry you know it's really an issue that you've got within you and you're putting it out on the world you know I worked on a farm for a little bit and I heard a proverb that I liked He said if everywhere you go smells like crap if everywhere you go smells like that you probably want to look at the bottom of your shoes you know So again, it's, it's like, where is the problem line? Is it, is it really out there or is it in here? Okay? And so that's, that's a real key to this whole forgiveness thing. Because we're not seeing the person clearly. We're seeing them as way worse than they really are. If we were to see them in truth, we'd see them to be like a fallible human being, just like me. (laughs) Okay? And I need forgiveness and they forgive, they need forgiveness and that's, that's the reality of the matter. My brothers and sisters, how can we expand our hearts and help us get in touch with reality? See things as they really are. To how, how can we manage our emotions? Very simple solution. It's a solution to every problem. And someone might say, you gotta be kidding me. Solution to every problem. What's that? And I, I speak about it all the time. It's prayer. It's prayer. And it's what I talked about, you know, a few moments ago. If you can't manage something, if you find it's impossible, to do God's will, pray, pray. God will give you the help. And so we see in our psalm something very beautiful. It says, open my eyes, Lord, that I may see the wonders of your law. And how important it is to take time every day, even if it's five minutes, okay, or 10 minutes. You take that time Preferably in the morning, you set it aside and you open up the Bible and you meditate on the Gospels. Don't try to, don't start with Leviticus, okay? Start with the Gospels and you meditate and you say, Lord, open my eyes that I may see the truth of your word. And it will transform you and you'll see the world as it truly is. And you'll see our, your neighbor and the person you're having a hard time trying to forgive. You'll see them in truth, in the light of truth. You'll be transformed. Your eyes, will be open. You know, Fred Rogers again was a very good example of this. It says that he was, you know, he kind of came off when I was a little kid. I was like, oh, he's kind of mamsy Pamsy. He kind of comes off like that on the surface. But he was actually a man of iron willpower. He woke up at the same time every single morning at 530 on the dot. He meditated on scripture. He prayed and then he went swimming. And after he was done swimming, he got on the scale and he weighed, he was a really thin guy. He weighed 143 pounds every day of his adult life. And he never ate or drank or did anything different to change his weight. Okay? So he had an amazing will. But he had that willpower because he prayed. Because prayer was the foundation of his day and hence of his whole life. So my brothers and sisters, simple message today. If there's someone that you need to forgive, we can do it. Let's forgive. Let's be reconciled to our neighbor. And with God's help through prayer, we can do it.